known by the message of an angel, may, by his passion and cross, be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic radio for your soul in North Texas. Heard also on grnonline.com and on your smartphone. Live from the KATH 910 AM studios in Las Colinas and broadcasting across North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. This is The Good News Show. And good afternoon. Welcome to The Good News Show here on KTH 910 AM, Guadalupe Radio Network. I'm Dave Palmer along with Cecil Anderson, William Kirkendall, Diane Xavier is uh, around here somewhere at the office as well. And uh, welcome to October, (laughs) the official monthly greeting uh, of October. And uh, boy, have we got a lot going on uh, during the show today. We have had so many requests for interviews that we have, you know, overbooked our interviews of the week that run on Saturdays. And so we are going to play during the course of this hour two of our recorded interviews, never heard before. And I'm excited about that. One of them is with a lady named Mary Hassan, and she came into town recently to speak at St. Joseph and Richardson. And she's one of the leading experts on the whole uh, issue of like, you know, trans transgenderism and gender dysphoria and all that that's going on. And needless to say, she's, you know, following the Catholic Church's teaching on that. And uh, boy, I'll tell you, it's uh, it's getting crazy out there. And so I sat down, I interviewed her uh, the day she came in for this uh, event. It was a couple weeks ago, uh, but I think it's a very worthwhile interview to share with you. I haven't we haven't played this yet. So Mary Hassan is one of them, and then another interview later on this hour, Diane Jones. I got to admit, I don't know. Uh, Cecil did the interview with Diane Jones. And uh, Cecil can tell us what that one is all about. Uh, Diane yes. Jones, was it some kind of a craft fair or something? It's, no, it's, so it's the Christ Child Fiesta. Okay. So the Christ Child Society is an organization that um, helps promote literacy and just taking care of kids and moms and babies in the area, in the Louisville Fire Mound area. Okay. And so this is their big fundraiser. They're having a fiesta in a couple of weeks, and it's always a lot of fun with dancing and music. And she's going to tell you all about what they do and also about the fest- the fiesta. All right. Very good. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Uh, don't forget, tonight and tomorrow night are the screen, the, the showings of this Mother Teresa movie. It's just a... T- you know, just two days, tonight and tomorrow. If you didn't get tickets already, please go. I saw it over the weekend. It's very good, and it's a, just a great documentary about the life of Mother Teresa, St. Mother Teresa, I should say. Also, uh, we are going to talk about upcoming events. William is going to have his report here in just a moment. We were at not one, not two, but three <laughs> different fall festivals over the weekend. There are some other big ones coming up. In fact, we have one of our beloved priests on the line we're going to talk to in just a moment. Uh, real quickly, Cecil, uh, Friday, you were at the Lebanese Food Festival. I was, yes. Uh, it's my favorite one to go to because it's literally Lebanese Food Festival. <laughs> what can we, their food is in they the title. on the food, yeah. I did. They they have their priorities straight. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that was a lot of fun. Uh, big thank you to Sarah, um, the Secretary Sarah Kumar, and uh, Father Assad for inviting us out there. Got to talk to their deacon, who is in formation to be a priest, and as uh, well as some of the longtime parishioners and newer parishioners as well. 
Yeah, so that was Friday, and then Saturday morning I was out in Keller. St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Parish in Keller had their fall festival, thanks to Brian Squibbs and Father Flynn and Father Wynn and all the good people that I talked to. It was a lot of fun. They they went big, and one of the unique things about the St. Elizabeth Keller Festival is it's all free. That's awesome. Everything is free, and I've, I've never, uh, you know, a lot of these are fundraisers, and, and rightfully so. they got to raise money for the parish, but uh, everything is free, the, all the food and everything. So thanks to them for, for uh, having us out. And then, as if that wasn't enough, Sunday, Cecil <laughs> was working again out in McKinney, right? Yes, I was at St. Michael the Archangel in McKinney with our friend Steve Gleason. He was his first time co-hosting a radio broadcast of, like that of a, at a, out at a parish festival, and that's his parish, so he really enjoyed that. We had a lot of fun talking to a bunch of people. It was our, my first time visiting the parish and it was, I think, our first time doing a broadcast out there. So they're very, very supportive parish and uh, it was lovely to kind of get to see everyone. Got to see Father Desmond at a distance and waved at him. Oh, yeah. okay. He's great. Um, and so uh, a lot of fun. Very vibrant festival, you know, mm. on a Sunday afternoon. There was a lot of people out there. The music was going. You know, they're doing oh, the yeah. YMCA. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> say no more. Uh, Alright, so this weekend uh, we are going to be, I say we with quotation marks, <laughs> it ain't going to be me, but Cecil's going to be out at St. Catherine of Siena Parish in yes. Carroll 9 to 11? 9 to 10.30. 9 to 10.30. Oh, wow. We're special like that because their entertainment is starting, I think, around ah, 11. Okay. And I think we need to be booted off the stage. What I was hearing is that we weren't entertaining enough <laughs> to be on the stage. So yeah. we got to be moved. But right. uh, it'll be fun. I love going to the St. Catherine of Siena's Autumn Fest. It's always, they have a fantastic silent auction that I always get way too distracted by. Mm-hmm. Delicious food from different cultures and lots of games for the kids and great entertainment. All right. And the following weekend on October 15th, uh, uh, everybody's got to be down south in Waxahachie because uh, St. Joseph Parish in Waxahachie is having their fall festival. And uh, we have the pastor of St. Joseph Waxahachie on the line with us, Father James Yamauchi, one of our favorite priests <laughs> of all. Father James, how are you? Good afternoon. I'm doing well, Dave. Great to hear from you. And that sounds like a lot of fun around our area. Yeah, there's so much going on. Uh, it just, uh, you know that. I mean, I'm sure at the parish life, isn't October and just the fall season one of the busiest of all for you guys? It is very busy, but thank goodness the weather gets cooler and it's just a lot of fun to be out and about. Whether we're doing fall festivals or cover fests or whether it's baptism classes or getting the formation year started or people preparing for marriages. It's just a really good time of the year. Yeah. Father, I, you know, last uh, January, you let us come out and visit the parish and, uh, you know, promote the car raffle. And that was the first time I had ever been to St. Joseph's in Waxahachie. And I think I told you at the time, I was expecting this little tiny parish, you know, in Waxahachie. And I was so surprised at how big it all was and how vibrant and uh, everything was bigger than I thought. And so I know there's a lot going on there, but let's talk about the festival in a moment. But just the parish overall uh what's happening at saint joseph waxahachie these days well that's the common reaction that you had that's my first reaction when i got assigned to the parish in 2021 over the summer i went down there and i was just amazed at how big the campus is just in and of itself we have a school there we have a church that was built in 2017 uh, that can fit about 900 people we have now over 2,000 families and Averaging 20 families coming to the parish every month, new families registering. And so there's a lot of uh, awesome things happening. And one of the things we want to do is to make sure that we are giving our families options, as many options as possible. People live very busy lives, and it's touching that people really do want to grow in their faith. And so we are really focusing on forming the family as a whole and providing options, whether that be for youth, 
that need the sacraments or for adults that need the sacraments, either as baptized Catholics who have never gotten confirmed or need their marriage convalidated or getting married in the church, or whether we're talking about adults who are even interested in becoming baptized. And what I found is that people very much are interested in growing their faith. They just want to be able to be provided options that can help them to understand the faith at a very mature and orthodox level on, on their timetable. Because not everybody is, is able to come once a week to an event because of maybe work obligation or school obligations, or maybe their journey to faith needs to just take a different turn than a traditional class. And so we, what, we, what I've really found what's beautiful about the parish down in Waxahachie is that people really are interested in coming to the sacraments, learning about the faith, and connecting with one another. But they also recognize that there are just so many ways, just like in our culture, there's many ways to be able to do things nowadays. How can we get that information, and more importantly, that formation out there in an authentic sense that can truly touch the hearts of individuals and families? Yeah, it is a beautiful city there in Waxahachie as well. I want to direct everybody to the website. You can find out about the, the fall festival coming up, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend on October 15th, and also just parish life and mass times, stjosephwaxahachie.com, stjosephwaxahachie.com. Now, that is assuming you know how to spell Waxahachie. <laughs> uh, W-A-X-A-H-A-C-H-I-E. I think that's Waxahachie. I hope I got that right. stjosephwaxahachie. Oh, was I not right? Did I, did I mess it up? No, you're a pro at that. Not oh, a pro. Okay, Kelly, I thought you said, you said I was close. Right. <laughs> no, okay. you were a pro. pro. Oh, good, yeah. good. Thank you, Father. Uh, all right, so let's hear about the festival uh, a week from Saturday the 15th. Uh, what's going to be going on, and uh, why should folks maybe uh, travel down south to Oxahatchee for it? Well, as you said, the area is beautiful in and of itself, the city of Waxahachie. And our parish is actually getting ready to celebrate its 150th anniversary in 2024. And so the Oktoberfest that we have is really family-friendly and really family-oriented. It's just about having wholesome fun. There's a lot of food. And this year we're going to have, since we are an Oktoberfest, we're going to really highlight some German food. But there will be many different types of food there, a lot of fun, a lot of games. We have a raffle, we have a car show, we have live music, and it's going to be on October 15th from 10 to 8 p.m., rain or shine. And I even told the people last weekend we still will have our normal vigil mass at 5 p.m. because the whole reason why we exist is because we have the sacraments here. And so it's just going to be a fun, full day, and we really hope not only our parishioners will show up and even maybe non-Catholics in our area, but we want to invite everyone to come down and just have a fun day a wholesome, innocent day, and, um, and, and just be able to uh, support one another in our presence, but then also to support our parish. All the funds for the, the Oktoberfest go to uh, paying down the debt for our new church. And not only do we want to pay down the debt for the new church, but in so doing, we have other capital projects in mind as we continue to grow. We have a school. We have increased families coming to the parish, so we will need uh, more capital projects in the future. So every cent goes a long way, not only helping with our present needs, but our future needs as we continue to grow. 
All right, uh, stjosephwaxahatchee.com. It's Saturday, October 15th. It's the St. Joseph Fall Festival. A lot going on, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. And uh, Father James Yamuchi, the pastor there, a lot of good things happening at the parish. So do please make a trip down to Waxahatchee next weekend and uh, support the parish, the building fund, and all the other great things that are going on. And I, I know, Father, we talked about doing a live broadcast for the 150th anniversary. You say that's going to be in 2024, right? So again, a couple years? 20? 24. All yes, right. A couple years. And as you know, we always, we already have to get ready, but we definitely wanted to loop you all in and have you involved. Well, let us know. I don't have a whole lot planned for 2024 yet. So <laughs> let me, let me know what the date is and we'll, uh, we'll lock you in. Okay. Uh, we'd love to be there. Very good. Well, just, I just want to say on behalf of my brother priest, thank you all for all that you do in Catholic radio to support the parishes, particularly this season of, of not only advertising our different festivals, but also being there and for all the great content you provide for us. So thank you, Dave. Oh, thank you, Father. Great talking with you as always. Hope to see you soon. Yeah, blessings to you and your listeners. Thank you very much. Uh, Father James Yamuchi there at uh, St. Joseph Paris in Waxahachie and uh, one of the uh, great fall festivals that are going on this season. All right, let's uh, move on to a whole lot of other things that are going on. Uh, William Kirkendall is our intern. He's a homeschooled high school student and comes in twice a week to uh, help out with uh, the live shows and PSAs and a lot, a lot of things going on. So, William, uh, it's a busy time. Did you narrow it down to about, what, five events or so coming up in the next couple yes. of weeks? Yes, five events. That's right. Yeah, the first one, we've got the 19th annual Spes Gregory's Holy Trinity Seminary Benefit. That is Friday, October 28th, and the location is the Cardinal Farrell's uh, Student Center. And again, that's uh, October 28th. For more information, you can go to holytrinityseminary.org to get more information on that. Uh, next event is the Ex Spiritus Men's Fall Conference with Father Zach Burns, which will be on Saturday, October 29th, uh, North Texas Catholic Men's Conference. And this will be at um, All Saints Catholic Church. And for more information, you can go to CatholicBrothersForChrist.com. Uh, the uh, next event is the North Texas Catholic Women's Conference on Saturday, September 15th, and that will be October at, 15th, right? I'm sorry. Did I, what did I say? <laughs> September. September. Okay. Yeah, October. Yeah. October 15th. October 15th. Yeah. And that will be at St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Catholic Church. Um, and that in Keller. In Keller. In yeah. Keller. Um, the Blessed Carl event is coming up on Saturday, October 15th at the Plano Events Center. And that'll be from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. And you must buy tickets on the website. Uh, pick up tickets at will call check-in. And this is, again, at the Plano Center. And that website, blessedcarl.org. I believe so, yes. Yeah, blessedcarl.org. Yes. And then the last event is the Hike for Life. We've got two, um, both, in da- uh, both in Dallas, it looks like. Um, Bachman Lake on Saturday, October 22nd. Uh, the schedule is registration 830 to 930. Uh, opening ceremonies, 9.30 to 9.45. The hike will begin at 9, uh, 9.45, and picnic and refreshments will follow from 10.45 onward. And that is, again, on October 22nd. And the other hike for life in Dallas is Dallas Flagpole Hill, and that is uh, October 15th on Saturday. And that will go from uh, 8 a.m. until 12 p.m. 
And that is all the events I have, Dave. All right. Thank you very much, yeah. William. Uh, I think there's also, there is a one in Garland this Saturday. Oh, that's right. Yes. Um, October 8th, 8.30 a.m. registration. That's at mm-hmm. Audubon Park in Garland. So that's going to be this coming weekend. And then the two in Dallas that you mentioned as Correct. well. So pretty much every weekend, uh, I guess they have one per weekend beginning this weekend all the way through the 22nd. There was one this past weekend, but I guess we don't have to mention that. Because yeah. if you didn't go, you missed <laughs> was, that one, right? It was well yeah. attended. They had 250 people come oh, out. Oh, is that right? Yep. Oh, okay. Just Very talk good. to the, one of the leaders. All right. Thank you so much, William. Yeah, Appreciate getting us up to date. Also, um, one thing that some people may have not uh, realized is that October 1st, this past Saturday, was the 16th anniversary of Catholic Radio here in North Texas. Yes, it was. And so we celebrated our anniversary on the feast day of St. Therese of Lisieux. And before we get to our first interview, I want to tell you about something very exciting, and that is the fact that we've kind of kind of hinted at this, but we have a lot more details now. Dr. Ray Garendi is coming to North Texas for the second time. He came five years ago, and it was very memorable because he came in, he was recording uh, four TV shows mm-hmm. on, oh, really? I, I don't remember the days of the week, it didn't really matter. I but think it was, it was Tuesday and Wednesday. Tuesday and Wednesday? Yeah. Okay. And... He, uh, the, the weather was horrible. It was like an ice storm and thunderstorms. It was just cold and, and nasty because it was in February. Uh, he's coming again and we now for the first time are able to ask you if you would like to come to one of his TV shows. This is TV, not radio. It's going to be at the CRM studios right across the street from where we broadcast here in Las Colinas. Uh, it's where the Glenn Beck studios are, uh, here in Las Colinas. And the dates are Wednesday, November 9th, and Thursday, November 10th. And so, so they're going to have two shows per day, uh, TV shows, 5 p.m. and 7.15 p.m. And I think you have to get there about 30 minutes earlier. So for the 5 o'clock show, get there about 4.30. For the 7.15 show, 6.45. They're kind of putting the, the guests together. Uh, I think Dr. Marcellino D'Ambrosio is mm-hmm. going to be one of the guests. I've heard of some other uh, things. But anyways, this is really the first time... We've given out the official details of these four tapings, again, two on uh, Wednesday the 9th and two on Thursday the 10th, 5 and 7.15. And so, so are we ready to start taking uh, audience uh we are. I just quite literally finished the spreadsheet. Okay. <laughs> it is ready to take lists of names. Uh, it's so crazy. We did this. This is one of the very first big projects we ever did when I started working here, you know, five years ago. So it's kind of fun that we've come full circle <laughs> back yeah. to it. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think we decided the best way. We'll, we'll, there'll be an email blast later on this afternoon as well. Uh, but if you want to get ahead of the email blast and be the first people on the list, uh, you can go ahead and email kath at grnonline.com, kath at grnonline.com. And you need to tell us uh, how many is it, two tickets, you know, that you need and what's showing. Remember, Wednesday, you have a 5 p.m. and a 7.15, and Thursday, you have a 5 p.m. and a 7.15. You have to tell me, be very specific, which one you want to be in. <laughs> and do we want to put a limit on how many they can get? Yeah, probably. Uh, like, right, probably at, uh, right now, maybe five total, you think? Yes, We're kind, yes, of, kind of winging this as we go. Yeah, uh, on, on this is our meeting, our weekly yeah, meeting we're I, having on it right now. Yeah, because we don't air. want somebody to say, yeah, I'll take 30, and yeah, then, because also, know. we did have a group, I feel like, the first time we did it, we had a group take a lot, and they didn't actually end up all being able to come, right, so right. we want to be able to give it to uh, equal opportunity to all people. <laughs> yeah, definitely. 
So if you want to, if you want to reserve some seats and get on the spreadsheet, Dr. Ray coming in. This is his TV show, uh, Living Right with Dr. Ray that runs on EWTN. Uh, two tapings. It won't be live, but it's going to be a taping and then we'll let you know when it's going to run. Uh, again, it is, uh, Tuesday. I'm sorry, Wednesday, November 9th and Thursday, November 10th. Uh, the shows are at 5 p.m. and 7.15 p.m. you got to get there about 30 minutes early. It's right across the street from where we are here at Las Colinas at Glenn Beck Studios, CRM Studios on Riverside Drive in Irving, 75039. And uh, all right, so let us know if you want to come, and you're going to be hearing a lot about this in the coming weeks as we fill up 75 seats per uh, taping. And I, I'm guessing they will run out pretty quickly. So yes. this is really the first time that we've Especially made the official announcement. Especially when we send out the, oh, the, the evil blast this afternoon. So yeah. again, if you're hearing us now, now is the time to write us. <laughs> you are getting the early scoop of it. Yeah. Because once we send it out and when people see it on their email, they're more likely to immediately respond to us. So definitely please do... Let us know if you want to join us. All right. Uh, so there it is. Uh, Dr. Ray coming to town uh, in just a little bit over a month. And so let's get to our first interview. As I mentioned, this is Mary Hassan. And I'll kind of give the the introduction uh, of her title and all that. But she came in recently to speak at St. Joseph's and Richardson. Very, very important topic. So here is my interview with Mary Hassan. I'm happy to have in studio Mary Hassan, who is the director of the Person and Identity Project. She's also the Kate O'Byrne Senior Fellow of the Ethics and Public Policy Center. Uh, her website for Person and Identity is personandidentity.com, and they offer formation, workshops, pastoral guidance on transgender issues and the human person. And just a little bit more information about them. The mission of the Person and Identity Project is to assist the Catholic Church in promoting the Catholic vision of the human person and responding to the challenges of gender ideology. Gender ideology, as you know, has permeated the culture with stunning speed, influencing medicine, business, media, entertainment, government, and education. We're all aware of this. We know it's a problem. Most of us just to have no idea what the solution is. So, uh, Mary Hassan, thank you very much for t- making this one of your stops this uh, this week. Thank you so much, Dave. It's wonderful to be here. Yeah, and you have c- connections to North Texas. I understand many of your children have gone through UD, and you have one there now, right? Right, at the University of Dallas, which is a great place. And, and I was just saying to you right before we started taping, I, I always somehow manage to tune into Catholic Radio when I'm in Dallas, so it feels like it's it's home. So yeah. I'm glad to be here. And the reason you're here uh, this weekend, and of course this is running after the facts, so don't go running over to the parish because uh, this is running afterwards, but you're here to give a presentation at St. Joseph uh, Catholic Church in Richardson. Uh, Alfredo Romero Ramirez, I want to thank him because he's the one that told me about the talk and uh, lined this up. So thanks, Alfredo. How did that all come about? So they reached out uh, because, as you said, this topic is so critical and it's really affecting Catholics everywhere. So Catholics are experiencing both confusion in terms of what to believe about who we are as persons, particularly young people, but also many families are being affected by this. They have loved ones who are coming out and identifying as transgender or in their workplaces or in school, they're being pressured in their jobs and in medicine. So this is really a topic that's affecting 
Catholics everywhere. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be speaking about that, speaking about the vision of the human person, the understanding of the human person that the church has, but then also how to recognize what's happening in the culture around us and how do we respond with compassion, with love, but also with truth and protecting our children from influences that can really take them down a road that is away from God, but is going to cause so much pain as mm-hmm. well. And how did you personally get into this issue? Why, why is, uh, of all the things, why, why, how, how did this become an issue that you became an expert on? Yeah, um, I'm an attorney by background, and I've worked uh, for the church and with the church for a couple of decades doing a lot of work around marriage, sexuality, um, pastoral care, that kind of thing. And I got a research grant about 10 years ago to look at the question of transgender identities on a global scale. And when I finished doing that research, I was just stunned. And all I could think was, as a church, we're unprepared to deal with this. Mm -hmm. Not because we don't have the truth, but because at that time, we weren't focusing on that. And yet you could already see the inroads into the culture and into the minds of, of many Catholics. There was already confusion setting in. So just praying about it and working with some colleagues, I decided to put together this project, the Personal Identity Project, with the aim to put out there in website form, but also in terms of trainings, talks, um, our consults with, with different dioceses and parishes, put out there the information about who we are as a person, just sort of FAQs, what does it mean to be a person, are we really male and female, does sex ever change, and what is this thing that's happening to the culture, what is this tsunami mm-hmm. that's hit the shores, this gender ideology, the transgender confusion, so to help people understand how it's coming through the culture, how it's affecting their kids, what the underlying false assumptions are, what the lies are that are going to pull vulnerable kids or vulnerable young adults in. All of that is is part of this because we have to uh, see real clearly what the threat is in order to see the opening to bring the truth and mm-hmm. to help someone not not just not fall into the pit, but but to to really find their way towards healing and wholeness. Yeah, you know anybody that uh, is paying attention, like you say, I love the the term tsunami because yeah, tsunamis come pretty fast. Sometimes yeah, you may have a little bit of notice, but it comes yeah. and it can be devastating uh, to a community. So I think that's a very good analogy. Yeah. Oh, why why now? I mean even. You know, 20, 30 years ago, when I graduated from high school in the mid 80s, uh, this, this topic was really nowhere to be found. Yeah. Maybe in the outskirts somewhere, but, but well, how did it become, uh, grow into such a tsunami? Yeah. So two things to know. Philosophically, the roots of gender ideology go way back. You can find it in Marxism, nihilism, radical feminism, and it really came, um, started to gain some traction in the U.S. in the wake of the sexual revolution, but it really went into academia first. Yeah. So it was not on the horizon for the average person, but it was percolating and, and growing and uh, becoming more toxic, frankly, in the academic circles. And then it started to bleed into politics. So we've seen it's really been um, having an influence on politics and the culture, laws, things like that for a good 10, 12 years. 
but it really has, the culture has just been assaulted mm-hmm. in the yeah. past five years in particular in the sense that the entertainment industry, well, all the institutions are sort of captured. Mm-hmm. As kind of those of us who are working in this space, we look at it and we say, they're captured. It's not just yeah. the media. It's, it's not just the public schools. It's not just corporations. It's not just entertainment. It's all of them and medicine too. And in saying that, my caution is this. I'm not saying anyone who works in the media or works in public Mm -hmm. schools or works in medicine or something is, is, you know, a terrible evil person. That's not it. It's that the institutions themselves have bought into this ideology and are really playing a strong role in pushing it through the culture, which means for the average Catholic, you're surrounded. Mm-hmm. You're in a culture that's saturated. Yeah. And, and oftentimes it seems like just telling the truth of something so simple like a man can't get pregnant, <laughs> where that, that has become a controversial statement. Yeah. If I put that up on Twitter, I might get my account suspended. Right. That's, that's lunacy. This yeah. is craziness where everything is upside down. Any four year old with, you know, just clear thinking would be able to figure this stuff out. And that's, that's what's confusing about it is like, it's almost like just a, a lie upon a lie upon yeah. a lie. Right. I and mean, why, I, I, how do you, how do you combat something that's just seems so logically, uh, inconsistent and just and oh, yet ridiculous? It's such traction. Exactly. So I, I think there are a couple of things. You know, I, I said this had roots and we've seen it in the culture really for decades, but I think it's important as Catholics for us to recognize that when our culture and people, even within the church, started to accept contraception, in other words, the idea that sex has nothing to do with reproduction, mm-hmm. well, then all of a sudden sexual difference doesn't really make sense. And that's one thing that led us into the whole same-sex, quote, marriage thing. Because if if sex has nothing to do with reproduction, it only has something to do with pleasure, what difference does it make? Yeah. Whether you're male or female or whatever, it's whatever you're attracted to. So as a culture over the past 50 years, we have lost our sense that who we are as male and female has something to do with reproduction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In other words, that's the biological definition of male or female is the organization of your, the entire organism towards a reproductive role. And, and again, we've sort of forgotten that, but that's what makes us male or female, that our whole body is organized towards a reproductive role. So as a culture, we've forgotten. And then as a culture, I think we've been intimidated. Uh, we, we, uh, we don't want to hurt anyone, but we've forgotten that it's a misplaced compassion to validate someone's delusion mm-hmm. or false idea. Yeah. Or even just a mistaken idea that's going to lead them towards self-harm. And so that point that you make that people are, are afraid to speak the truth is a genuine issue. Yeah. People are. Yeah. Yeah. And so you think, so. uh, going back to the sixties when mm-hmm. Humana Vitae came out, Paul the six, it was controversial. People didn't think he was going to, uh, uh, you know, come to the conclusion right. that he did. Uh, but now there's talk. You know, is that going to be overturned? You know, it yeah. seems like the last thing in the world you'd want to do is yeah. overturn what at least was telling us the truth back when the controversy was first right. first uh, stirring up, right? And, and that is the truth. And, and yeah. the truth doesn't change. You know, so God is truth and charity. It's, it's both things. And I think one of the other lies that we've become susceptible to as a culture is this idea that to be loving to someone 
means you're not telling the truth or that the truth is somehow not loving. And so we need to always be charitable in our approach and kind, ultimately kind, but to have that conviction that it is not compassionate, it's not loving to validate someone in a false idea that's going to lead them down a pathway towards harm. And that's that's what's hurting our young people. And mm-hmm. I, I can tell you from speaking across the country on this, I talked to families who have homeschooled, families who have had their kids in a Catholic school, uh, families who have kids in public schools, and kids are being sucked into this uh, in large respect because of what's on social media, yeah. which is really toxic. The peer culture, and then for those who are in the public schools, you have an official school culture, even at a place like Texas, Mm -hmm. that is validating these false beliefs. And so you have some kids who are vulnerable, and they're looking to relieve their pain. They're looking to find a solution. And this is sort of the promise of gender ideology, that if you go down this path, you can escape, leave behind all of that pain in being a a girl. You don't want to be a woman or, or, you know, a boy who doesn't want to grow up to be a man. And you can somehow create for yourself a different future. Mm -hmm. And it's a lie. Yeah, it, it certainly is. And so, what what is uh, you talked about the vision of the human person? I I, I long ago became very um, much a, a fan of Saint Thomas Aquinas. I actually teach the Summa to high school kids, so I'm very very familiar with him. Is that the bedrock of, of Catholic teaching? Is is Thomistic thought? Well, what do you rely on, or what is your background educationally as far as saying <laughs> this is what a human person is, and this is what a human person isn't? Uh, what, yeah. What's the foundation? So here's the thing that church for hundreds of years has had people like St. Thomas Aquinas, you know, other theologians. We've had great popes who have written and spoken about this. The church is an expert on humanity. That's something that Vatican II actually said. We're an, the church is an expert on humanity. And so we have in the richness of the church's teaching these ideas about who we are, the truth about who we are. First, we're created. We're in relationship. We are mm-hmm. relational beings created by God, never alone, always in relationship with God. Even if we turn away, he's there. But he created us male and female. And the catechism, section 2333, three, three, uh, talks about how every person needs to acknowledge and accept his or her sexual identity. In other words, that idea that we're a body and soul. We don't just sort of zip on our bodysuit and the real me is whatever I feel. Mm-hmm. We're a unity of body and soul. So these basic truths have been taught by the church for a long time. And yet in the past 10, 15 years, both Pope Benedict and then Pope Francis started directly addressing the ideology of gender, mm-hmm. this idea that who you are, your identity can be a choice and that you can repudiate that gift mm-hmm. of being male or female. And so they've had uh, very direct things to say because sexual difference is the anthropological basis of the family. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Pope Francis. A lot of people, uh, and this is getting into kind of uh, controversial waters mm-hmm. here, but we'll say that the church needs to take the lead on this. Mm-hmm. And But even the messaging from the church seems confusing at times. It doesn't seem to be unanimous. You know, we need to come on strong. We can't be afraid to hurt feelings. Is the church doing enough, both universally and, you know, 
locally and priests and you know and you and I were we're part of the church right yeah. could could well, is there any blame to be laid at the foot of the of the, the church at all so here's the thing pope francis has spoken very clearly i think he's demonstrated two things he's been a witness as to how to be kind and serving those who are caught up in this in terms of his charity towards uh, people who identify as transgender but at the same time he has not minced words he has called this ideology wicked he says it's a global war on marriage and the family. So he's not minced words about this. And in terms of the U.S., there are many bishops, including my own in Arlington, Virginia, who have really seen and recognized this problem for what it is. In other words, the culture is attacking the very basic idea of what it means to be a human person. That's what gender ideology does. It's a, a competing anthropology. And so... Uh, there are good bishops everywhere, and, and um, your bishop here, Bishop Burns, I, as I said, I'm speaking in one of the parishes, but bishops are increasingly realizing this isn't one of those topics you can just save for the one-on-one conversations. This is one of those things we have to have the courage to speak the truth about who we are to call out the lies when we see it, and to help those who are stuck to find their way, you know, to find their path towards the truth, because that's the only way they're going to find healing. If a parent comes up to you and says, my 13-year-old daughter just came to me and said she thinks she's a boy, you know, this is a, a real practical issue that a lot of parents are having to deal with these days. What's your advice to that parent? So, First, I'd say go to our website, personandidentity.com, because we have a lot of resources there and from um, networks of parents that they can plug into. There are therapists' recommendations. But parents need to own their own responsibility, which means you have to be willing to look at your child and realize, okay, my child is caught up in a lie. They're also hurting. In other words, there's a reason why they're vulnerable. So I need to love this child, express that. I need to strengthen that relationship. But I also need to be the parent, which means I need to draw boundaries. I need to look clearly and see what's influencing this, what's feeding this. Maybe it's friends. Maybe it's their their time on their phone and the websites they're going to. Maybe it's the school situation. So the parents I know who have successfully gotten kids out of this are parents who are not afraid to take action, Mm -hmm. that they realize this is my responsibility. So I have to see what these negative influences are. And I have to cut them off. Literally, I have to stop that from feeding my child this lie that is taking them down the wrong path. And then I, as, as a parent, need to really work on strengthening my relationship with this child, figuring out what else might be going on. What are the vulnerabilities that aren't being addressed so that this looks like a solution? So, so it's not a, um, it's not a quick fix. And that's why I say there are so many resources on mm-hmm. our website. Yeah. Uh, but to give hope to parents, it really, your kid doesn't have to drown in yeah, this, even yeah. if they get sucked out to sea. I've seen them come back. I've seen amazing healing. But the the most important thing is we don't want our kids to get towed out there, you know, like a riptide. Mm-hmm. So we need to be protective and be proactive about that. Uh, even now. Yeah. Do you, this is a religious liberty issue in a big mm-hmm. way as well. Do you ever feel like the work you're doing right now, five years from now, from now could be illegal? I mean, that's got to be a concern that even the conversation that we're having here right now might be considered hate speech. We know it's mm-hmm. not. We, we love every person mm-hmm. that's impacted by this, but this is a religious liberty issue, isn't yeah. it? And we're seeing that in Europe where some of the countries in Europe have gone so far as to criminalize conversations like this or even just reading Bible verses that we 
reflect the truth about who we are and, and God's plan for marriage, that those things are all of a sudden hate speech. So yes, could it happen here? Yes, even with the First Amendment, because it depends on how it's applied and interpreted. It shouldn't. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't happen here. Yeah. But I, I think we need to also realize that when one person has the courage to speak, you embolden people around you because yeah. that's what I've found. One person speaks the truth and you see other people looking around and then they start, they start nodding and they, they say, yeah, I thought that was crazy too, yeah. but I thought I was the only one. Mm-hmm. So we have to have that courage. Um, but the church also needs to fight in terms of litigation. And, and thankfully we have had good dioceses and churches and Catholic hospitals that are pushing back on this in the courts, but those are long-term ongoing struggles so the, the challenge, I think, to each one of us as a person is to realize, how am I called mm-hmm. to speak the truth in love, but to push back on this so that I can help others really stay grounded in the truth and not get swept out to sea by this tsunami? Yes, my guest is Mary Hassan. She is the director of the Person and Identity Project and also uh, the uh, Kate O'Byrne, a senior fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center in Washington, D.C. She lives in Virginia. Her website is personandidentity.com. And I visited the site and there's a lot there, a lot of videos, a lot of uh, topics. De- uh, detransitioning seems to be a big thing. I think that's a voice that we need to listen to. Uh, yeah. These, I don't know how many there are, but these people that said, oh my goodness, I made a big mistake. Big, yeah. Very important voice, isn't yes, it? Yes, they're a growing number too. They are people who say five years you know, ago, seven years ago, started down this trans, uh, transgender path and realized one, they're damaging their bodies, but it didn't, it didn't fulfill the promise. They mm-hmm. didn't improve their mental health. They didn't end up happier. And, and so they realized, what am I doing? Yeah. And so they stopped the hormones. And, and some of them, unfortunately, had already gone through surgeries, double mastectomies. But their voices are so compelling because they, the ones who are speaking out, so clearly call this out as a lie. Mm-hmm. And they say, you know, here I was hurting and, and saying I'm uncomfortable with my body or uncomfortable being a, a female. And people didn't ask me why. They just pushed me down this path and mm-hmm. said, you must be transgender. Let's transition. And so that I think should, should ring in our minds. Ask why. Figure out why someone is hurting that it feels so appealing to escape their body to become someone else. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a part of the insight, I think, in understanding what's going on and helping someone to break free. Yes, there's a saying that people are suckers for the truth. There's such a thing as natural law. I keep thinking, you know, eventually as a collective body, we're all going to say, this is crazy. Let's just get back to to life as usual. That was a weird phase we were going through as a culture. Are you optimistic that Five, ten years from now, people are going to be like, well, that was weird. But, or, or are we, are we down, uh, coming down this slippery slope just into, you know, even further, you know, confusion and yeah. disorder? So two interesting things. One, in working on this issue, I work with people who are right, left, red, blue, people who are believers, people who are atheists. In other words, this isn't, doesn't have to be polarized as a political issue. There is that common sense, that natural law sense of, What's true, what's not, what's real, what's delusion. And so that's a sign of hope because we can appeal just even on a, on a practical, rational basis to people with whom we may have disagreements about other issues. So that's, that's a plus. 
I think, unfortunately, the, there is so much power and so much money behind pushing this ideology forward. I think what's going to stop it is lawsuits. You mm-hmm. know, some of these detransitioners, and, and there are good legislators in, in various states who are trying to lengthen the statute of limitations so they can sue for malpractice, uh, sue so the parents can sue over what's being done to their children. And, and I think that's part of it because the medical community has really abandoned their their basic duty which is do no harm mm-hmm. and yeah. and they're they're making money on that so yeah. i think lawsuits are going to be part of unfortunately part of the solution we just have a couple minutes remaining i, I could certainly talk to you for another couple hours but we are limited our time it seems like women are the ones that are hurt the most by all this women in athletics i mean that that's just kind of a no-brainer uh, which always seems to be the case. You know, women hurts, yeah. uh, are, are hurt by abortion. They're hurt by pornography. They're hurt by uh, this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it just seems, it's almost seems like it's an attack on the family, but it's, yeah. it's a, an attack on womanhood in many ways, isn't it? Oh, I totally agree with you. And it's interesting that mantra, my body, my choice, yeah. which the pro abortion side or pro choice uses, I hear the same thing from the transgender circles. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of overlap between this, but you're exactly right. It's women whose safety, privacy, and opportunities are now at risk because you've got men who are identifying yeah. as women and and invading those spaces, which is one one reason why we have radical feminists who are fighting this. Yeah. Because they say, "Hey, wait a minute. We know and we've we've fought for our sex-based rights." It, this has to stop. So yes, women women are particularly vulnerable, and and I think that's why women need to have our eyes open. Our our hearts know what's true. Yeah, yeah. And, and so right. we need the courage, and we need the courage of men, uh, and our our priests and our bishops to speak the truth and and to help lead a change within the culture. Amen. I appreciate what you're doing very much. Uh, tell our listeners how they can support uh, you and the Person and Identity Project, personandidentity.com. What are the biggest needs? Finances, prayers, yeah. all the above? What? Oh, yes. Starting with prayers, uh, because I tell you, it's, you know, being out there dealing with this, uh, we are sort of on the on the front lines there. So that's tremendously important. You know, second, yes, Support us financially. That would be a tremendous help because we have so many needs, so many dioceses, schools, individuals who are looking for help. So just to be able to continue to provide that is extremely important. And then spread the word. Let people know because there's so much on the website in terms of FAQs, in terms of resources, so that people can – it's a place to start and where people can find the information they need. They don't have to be lost in a sea of confusion. So personalidentity.com. And thank you very much for mentioning that. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you making a stop here. I know you're busy. You're at UD. You're going to St. Joseph's tomorrow. So we appreciate it very much. Uh, Mary Hassan, uh, Director of Person and Identity Project. Go to personandidentity.com to find out more and please support them if you feel so inclined. There are a few things more fragile than a young boy's innocence. When it's broken, it's broken in the man, too. Heal the damage of sexual abuse with Dawn of Mercy. Call 469-613-DAWN for confidential help or email healing at dawnofmercy.org. That's 469-613-3296. Go from darkness to light with Dawn of Mercy. Heal the boy within.
The Guadalupe Radio Network thanks Little Elm Eye Care for their support of local Catholic radio. Little Elm Eye Care is owned by Drs. Burt and Leslie Bubella, parishioners of St. Francis of Assisi Parish in Frisco. They specialize in family vision care, comprehensive eye exams, contact lenses, and the treatment of eye diseases and injuries. Little Elm Eye Care is located at 1200 East El Dorado Parkway, Suite 100, across from the Little Elm Athletic Complex. They can be reached by calling 972-2920-900 or on the web at littleelmeyecare.com. And good afternoon. Welcome back to the Good News Show here on this Monday afternoon. This is our live local show that we do talking about all the good things that are happening in the Catholic world of DFW. And today we have a great topic. Uh, we're going to be talking to one of the people behind the Christ Child Society of Dallas-Fort Worth. Uh, it's a group that does a lot of different wonderful ministries, including liter- promoting literacy and kids and a lot of other wonderful things that we're going to learn about and a little bit of their history as well. I'm super excited to welcome Diane Jones, who is the vice president of membership and the vice president elect, which means that in a little bit, she's going to be in charge of this thing. So it's very, very exciting. Diane, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me. Of course. So for people who are listening right now, they may not be aware of what the Christ Child Society is. If my understanding is correct, this is the only one in this area, this chapter. Um, Can you tell a little bit about the history of it? Yes, I'd love to. So Christ Child Society started... um, really in the late 1800s with uh, Mary Virginia Merrick. Um, she was in a very devout Catholic family. She, at the age of 14, she fell from a playhouse. And as a result of that, she ended up um, being confined to, a, a, to her chair, to her bed, um, but felt a need to, to help the children um, that were most in need um, at that time in her area. And so she started by um, sewing clothes for them, and then she... They started doing other kinds of things, doing Christmas gifts and other things, and it just kind of grew. Um, right now, it is a national organization. Um, we are one of only three in the state of Texas, and our chapter started um, about four years ago. So we're a relatively new um, organization, but we're doing lots and lots of programs here in the DFW area. Yeah, it's so funny to think that it was only four years ago it started, because I feel like it's such a powerhouse organization that has... Uh, you know, a lot of active members and just a very, everyone's very passionate about it. <laughs> yes, we sure are. <laughs> and uh, I know the original uh, ladies who started it here, um, it, it kind of, it's not an apostle, like a ministry of St. Philip's, the apostle in Louisville, but it is uh, based, a lot of the members are from St. Philip's, like yourself, is that correct? That is correct. The majority of the members are from St. Philip's, but we are expanding. We do have some members from St. Elizabeth and Seton. And um, we're trying to expand to other areas in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Oh, that's awesome. And I believe it was Patricia Gonzalez and Jerry uh, Jackson, who are the original ladies who started. I think they moved from California. They were like, there's no Christ Child Society that's here. Right. <laughs> like, we, we need to start it. <laughs> they're very dynamic mother and daughter duo. They're they're. <laughs> They're fantastic. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so it's thanks to them that it's around now. Um, and so when did you start uh, getting involved with it and what drew you to the organization? So I started actually just a couple years ago um, during the pandemic. I saw where we were collecting some things for layettes. And I just thought, you know, this is something, an organization that I think I really want to join. I learned a little bit more about it and and just became more and more involved um, as the months went on because I just saw all the programs that we were doing and saw the impact that it was having 
and just felt like this was something I needed to be involved with. Mm, absolutely. Uh, just a reminder that we're talking to Diane Jones from the Christ Child Society of uh, DFW. You can visit their website, ChristChildSocietyDFW.org. And we're also going to be talking about in a little bit their upcoming fiesta, which is super exciting. It's a big fundraiser for them. So definitely want to hang on listening. It's on Saturday, October 15th. Um, but you can find out more information about that now. But you were talking about a lot of the different outreach programs that the Christ Child does. Um, can you talk a little bit about, I know about a few of them, but I know there's so much more than I know. <laughs> there are. We have so many. Um, so really our mission is to improve the lives of children in need in our local community. And we do that through our impactful programs. Um, they include our literacy promotion programs that include doing free book fairs. We go to different um, Title I schools in the area and give free books to, to the children. We also, some of our members do tutoring and mentoring. We we create what we call early literacy bags, which are just different activities that um, families can do with their, their newborns and up to like about two to three years of age to kind of help them learn and give them a good head start. We also do a lot of family engagement activities. We do something called Books in Bloom, where we go to a school and we have the families come and we read books to the children. We also provide them with, with something to eat when they leave and, and a gift bag full of um, all kinds of activities that they can do, like for our spring one, things that they can do on spring break, that kind of thing. Um, we also have a lot of um, basic needs programs. There's, there's just really a lot of need in this, um, in this area. And so we do something called snack packs. We do that with um, PD Place. We learned that, especially during the pandemic, that a lot of those individuals, families that were coming there um, were hungry. The kids were mm -hmm. hungry. And so we started doing snack packs. Um, we also do hygiene kits for some of the high schools and, and middle schools because they just the families do not have the, the funds to do it. We're doing other kinds of programs called um, teen bags for the teens. You know, we we do a lot of things for children, but the teens need things just as as much as as we do. Um, we have a kids eat free program that we do during the summer, where we provide activities and also deliver food to some um, really low income areas in the city of Louisville. Um, we are just recently going to be starting a Christ Child Closet at St. Phillips. Um, they're starting to get um, more that we're really expanding our outreach at St. Phillips. And so this is going to have things for babies like our layouts. We have a big layout program, but it's also going to have um, different kinds of food boxes and also different kinds of hygiene things for mm -hmm. the families. And then we do some other programs like foster care comfort bags. Um, when children are pulled out of um, their homes and placed in foster care, they really don't have um, really they leave with almost nothing. And so we do different bags that have have blankets and stuffed animals and toys and and hygiene items and all different kinds of things so that they can feel like um someone really cares about them mm, that's beautiful i didn't know about a lot of those so it's wonderful to kind of hear what y'all do are doing uh how many members are, are behind this to make this happen right now we have about 60 members wow that's a lot of work for you know a big group but it's mm -hmm. it's a lot of work and do the donations for like the layettes if for so anyone who's not listening can you explain what a layette is i can't it's like um, Layette is like a, a a bag full of all kinds of things that a new baby would need. And so it's got everything from it's got blankets and diapers and, and wipes and pacifiers and just everything you can think of that a new baby would need. Um, and we primarily, we do it for two organizations right now. We do it for PD Place. Um, and we also do it for the Low Birth Weight Center. And actually, we are also, also doing it for Gabriel's Project. So wow. we're doing it for three. That's awesome. And so um, a lot of those donations we're talking about, like they come in from, I mean, obviously I'm sure the members do some things too, but how do you reach out to the community to get the community involved as well? Because obviously as much as you all are passionate and can do all these things, you're not able to do it without the help of others as well. 
So St. Philip's has been a great help to us. Um, we have recently, they started Neighbor Days, mm-hmm. so we're able to collect items for our um, for the different programs that we have. We're able to select different programs each month and and collect items for that particular program. We also, in the past, have been able to do hospitality, and, and we get donations from the church. Um, and then our fiesta our, our is, what, is our really our big fundraiser, where we're able to to use those funds that we get there to support the programs that we have. That's awesome. Uh, and definitely that Fiesta is coming up on October 15th. The website is ChristChildSocietyDFW.org. Uh, ChristChildSocietyDFW.org is the place to find out more about the Christ Child Society. And also you can buy your tickets uh, to go to the Fiesta on the 15th. Uh, before we talk about that, I wanted to kind of talk about maybe the spiritual aspect of obviously Virginia, Mary Virginia Merrick, the founder, uh, was a devout Catholic and uh, she made this whole idea of, you know, supporting children. I think she has this quote right on the website. It's like, nothing is too much to do for a child. You also have a spiritual advisor. Can I talk about how the spiritual element plays into what you all do? Well, I mean, I think what we're trying to do, obviously, is give back. We're trying to to spread our Christian faith, our Catholic faith, um, to those that are in need. Um, so there definitely is a very um, strong spiritual component. Um, you know, it's we're doing what, what we're we're feeding, feeding, we're, we're clothing, we're doing all those things, um, kind of the Beatitudes. And so um, it's very important to us that we live out our Catholic faith. Mm, absolutely. So let's talk about this fiesta that's coming up. It's super fun. Um, I have been to the two that I think they've had before. Um, I had to take a break for COVID, and I think last year was the first time back. Um, so Saturday, October 15th, uh, starting at 5.30 p.m. at the Embassy Suites uh, by Hilton and DFW Airport North. That's in the Grapevine area. There is going to be a fiesta that's going to benefit the Christ Child Society. Live mariachi music, opportunity drawings, dinner, dancing, and more. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what that more is and a little bit about what's going to sure. happen that night? So it's going to be really a fun evening. We're so excited. And, and like you said, the, the doors will open at 5.30. Dinner will be served at 6.30. So it's going to start with a live mariachi band. Oh, awesome. Um, and then we will have dinner. And then we will have, um, and while that's going on, there's going to be opportunity drawings where you can buy tickets and put them in the different bags. And there's all different kinds of wonderful gifts, everything from wine t- tasting to different kinds of purses. And, and then we're going to play a really fun game um, called Heads or Tails. Oh, yes. Where you can win um, a, a kind of a San Antonio package. That will be really kind of cool for someone to win that. It's going to be just very interactive and a lot of fun. Um, We are also going to have um, salsa dancing demonstration so that we can all learn how to salsa dance. And then when that's finished, we're going to get up there and people can can continue dancing. (laughs) So it should be really a very fun evening. That's super, super fun. I always love seeing how, you know, events kind of add things each year. So the salsa dancing, that one's new. The opportunity drawings are quite fun. I will say I spent a lot of time last year trying to decide where was I putting my tickets. I know there was, I think there was a retreat up for grabs and that was very popular. And it's up again this year. Oh, fantastic. Yes, we have it again this year. We have all kinds of really cool things. Awesome. And so the tickets can be purchased at ChristChildSocietyDFW.org and, uh, can you go how much are they are there package deals are there sponsorship opportunities there are sponsorship opportunities the tickets um for and eighty dollars for an individual um and then there's different sponsorship opportunities you can go to our website and and learn more awesome uh so christchildsocietydfw.org again saturday october 15th is the christ child fiesta and uh like diane was saying uh, diane jones my guest is the uh, vice president of membership and the uh, vp elect 
for the Christ Child Society that this is their big fundraiser where they're able to raise funds to support all their many, many programs that they have throughout the next year. Um, so, Diane, what exactly is your part in this uh this upcoming fiesta, what role do you play? Are you teaching the salsa dancing? Oh, goodness, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try to learn, maybe. Um, so I am on the fiesta fundraising committee. So there's there's probably about 15 of us that are on the committee, and we all do different things. I'm, I'm doing more of the scripts and the, the, the helped with the timeline, and I'm doing the kind of the run of show and then just helping with various parts. But but it's really a team effort. Mm. Um, it's taking a you know, number of our members that have to come, that are coming together, we're very fortunate. We have so many um, creative members with all different kinds of skills, and and um, it's just we're really blessed to be able to have them um, share their their skills and their talents with us. Um, not just for our fiesta. Um, but for all the other programs that we have as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to ask you to put on your uh, VP of membership hats here now. Um, so for people who maybe are interested in learning more about the Christ Child Society or are interested in becoming a member, um, they want they can reach out to you. You can have your email address. It's dianejones1412 at yahoo.com, dianejones1412 at yahoo.com. Um, but are events like the Fiesta a place where people kind of afterwards go, ooh, I'm kind of interested, or how do you get your members? How do you get people involved? So we actually at, at the last at the last fiesta, we did have um, a couple of members. Um, we also do meet and greets throughout the the year um, where current members can bring other people that are interested. We just had one a couple months ago and we had four or five members, new members join as a result of that. Um, people hear about us through, through the different activities that we do at church. Um, and, and so a lot of it is even word of mouth and then they, or they, they, we do different kinds of things in the bulletin. Again, St. Phillips has been so supportive of, of us and we're very grateful to them. Awesome. Uh, last couple of minutes here with Diane Jones from the Christ Child Society. Their upcoming fiesta is October 15th. You can learn more at ChristChildSocietyDFW.org. Uh, ChristChildSocietyDFW.org. You also are the VP elect, which means that in a few months from now, I don't know exactly when the terms start and end, but you are going to be taking over this big job. I am. So uh, for the past year, I've been um, shadowing our current president. Suzanne, um, who is just dynamic and she does such a great job. Um, I have very big shoes to fill. Patricia Gonzalez was our president for the first two years, Suzanne for the last two. Um, and so I will take over um, in January. And I'm very excited. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, for any of those who are listening who maybe are interested in joining, kind of talk about really briefly what the commitment is. Is it kind of like you can set your own pace for what you can do? Or is it, I don't know, an hour, a couple hours a month? Or what, what kind of generally would a member uh, experience? So really it's up to the member. It's whatever works best for them. We have so many different programs. When when they 